and it's like a four, four and a half hour drive. And it's really hard to describe sometimes to my friends who are extroverts the excitement I feel about being in a little cocoon four and a half hours on my own. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Joe Dodds and I started this show back in 2016 to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean how they focus on productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience to enable them to do more of the stuff that they want to do and less of the stuff that they don't. After 241 shows, I've taken a pause from doing new interviews to reshare previous interviews. They were too good to not revisit. So please do bear in mind that this podcast might refer to events from the past as current or in the future. But rest assured that the stories, tips and advice shared by my guests continues to be pure gold. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm a co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Rob Husband. Rob was introduced to us by Steve Jones from show number 123. Joe said Rob really reminded her of Steve, so it was a bit spooky. Rob is the founding director of a small coaching company, Face to Think Limited. He's been working with people in development roles for the last 25 years. His work has ranged from supporting rough sleepers and young homeless to managers and leaders in the voluntary, public, education and private sector. He has more recently trained as a therapist and is increasingly interested in working with the human insider role. He spent his time between one-to-one coaching and therapy, tutoring on counselling and coaching courses, cycling and walking, and when possible, wild swimming. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Rob Husband of Space to Think. Thank you for joining me, Rob. Really great to have you with me. Thanks so much. Looking forward to it. And you were referred by a mutual uh, friend of ours, Steve, who's been on a show with me already. And uh, already, as he predicted, I've enjoyed our pre-conversation. So really looking forward to this. So uh, uh, really pleased to be talking to you. So start by telling us a bit about who you are, what you do and where you do it. OK, so who am I? Uh, uh, that's a big question. So, OK, so I am probably a number of things. Uh, so my name's Rob Husband, yeah, and I'm... I'm a director of a small company called Space to Think, and we primarily uh, do, do, we do a lot of facilitation work and we do a lot of work around coaching. Um, and uh, so um, we are really interested in working with people and organizations who want to have an impact for good in their local communities. So we do quite a lot of work with voluntary sector organizations, do quite a lot of work in education as well. We, and small businesses, and um, we have done a little bit of corporate, and we've realised that probably there's a, a little bit of a, too much of a mismatch of values. Um, so that's so that's a bit about what sort of work-wise. I'm also a therapist, so I run some training courses for uh, people looking to become therapists, and run my own practice. I set my own practice, and down in Devon, where I've just moved to, so I'm based in Tavistock. Moved um, just moved down from Oxfordshire. Um, and I am, what else am I? That's good, that's my business bit. I'm also, I'm passionate about, um, I've, I've said I'm passionate about people. I just really, I like people. 
I'm quite a strong introvert though, so I don't like spending too much time with people, but I am really intrigued and fascinated by people and how we uh, interact and live together and sometimes really well and sometimes maybe a bit dysfunctionally. So I'm sort of always sort of really interested in that and I'm a great lover of nature. So hence I'll move down to Dartmoor. Um, I just feel like I'm alive when I'm outside and too much time in front of screens and inside I feel a bit of me starts to wither and die. Um, and I'm also a musician. Um, yeah, and I yeah, that's about it really. So yeah, I musician. think that's ca that, that captures me a little bit. Lovely. I was going to say musician. Always music to my ears. <laughs> a bit of a, okay. Too much of a pun, yeah. isn't it? What um, so what do you play? What do you do? I so okay. I um, play guitar. Guitar is my main instrument. Acoustic guitar. Do a bit of piano uh, and write. Um, and I, I don't perform much now. In my younger years, um, that was probably a, yeah, but that was probably a career choice at some point. I was really heavily involved in uh, music and sort of music tech. So set up a recording studio when I was about twenty with a friend of mine that he still runs. So I have a lot of friends who are musicians, and I'm probably now more supporting my own kids. I've got a daughter who's uh, becoming a great singer, so I tend to go and play guitar for her when she gigs at the moment. So yeah, so it goes in fits and starts. I, I need to, I need to perform once or twice a year. If I don't, I feel like a bit of me is missing. Um, so that's yeah. So yeah, I I, I couldn't I couldn't do without the music, but I yeah, feel like I made yeah. a choice a long time ago that I wasn't gonna invest um, all my life to that. Yes, yeah. And it's interesting you said about being um, sort of quite introverted, but interested in people. I do think sometimes mm. that people in that with that sort of outlook make really good facilitators because of that sort of tendency to observe rather than yeah. always be in the midst of it sort of thing. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's a weird balance. It's a weird, it's a weird experience actually, because you so say even when you, you know, sort of facilitating and coaching that they're, I'm aware that I am in I'm in the public arena, and people are wanting something from me, and which is okay. But I find that 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 can be really tiring. But I don't feel like I need to. I don't feel like I necessarily need to give my opinion to them. I'm quite happy with my own thoughts about life. Do you know what I mean? So that well, mm -hmm. that probably helps. But it is it can be quite tiring. Yes. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah day with uh, you know with a group and and having to be out there in the external world um it, it yeah it can be really tiring but but i yeah. but yeah but but it's a weird balance my i my i have you have a co-director called andy he's a really dear friend we've worked together probably for i don't know near on 20 years in various relationships and uh he thinks i'm a raving extrovert because, and he is so introvert that he thinks I'm a raving extrovert, um, but which is really makes me laugh. Because <laughs> I am, I am, I, I feel like I'm quite introvert, and that's the feedback I get. But I think I can, um, I can become quite playful in a in a group setting sometimes, which I think probably leads to the extrovert a bit coming yeah. out, to, you know, become, becoming a little bit more prominent. 
Yes, it's interesting. People think that I'm extrovert because I talk a lot, but I spend a lot of time on my own, you know, getting my energy from being on my own and not speaking to people. Um, and also, I don't know if you've ever done the Gallup Strengths Finder, but one of my, no, well, a couple oh, of my strengths are around um, communication and winning others over. So yeah. I always sort of think to myself, it's interesting that being more introverted from an energy point of view, but actually being somebody whose personality has to make people feel you know involved and and whatever yeah. in in public situations means that i look very extrovert when actually as you say afterwards it's quite draining but i can't yeah. not do it it's it's interesting how how many facets there are to our personalities yeah. um just so you know complicated i suppose I, it's really funny i we, sort of i'm really sort of into sort of environmental stuff so driving cars i was sort of a guilty driving but having made the transition from Oxford to Devon, um, at the moment, that's been really recent move, and I've, I've, have to, I've had to drive down, like to bring down the trailer of all our camping stuff and all that sort of stuff. And it's like a four, four and a half hour drive. And it's really hard to describe sometimes to my friends who are extroverts the excitement I feel about being in a little cocoon four and a half hours on my own. And it's like, oh, what a wonderful experience. I couldn't think of anything better. Yeah. Yeah, and, I absolutely and, get that. And it's really funny. And sometimes I will listen to the radio, and sometimes I'm just like, for the next hour, I am just going to think about this. <laughs> and then after that, I'm going to think about this for another hour. And it's just like a real, yeah, I love it. Well, I'm really noisy and extroverted. When I was about uh, seven, we had a, a downstairs toilet in our three-bedroom terraced house and uh, I used to when I used to go to the toilet too much information I used to imagine that the room was actually my room and instead of a toilet there was an armchair and I'd have like shelves of books and it would just be my room and nobody else would be able to come in and I could just go in there so oh, I now nice. look back and think I had these tendencies these uh, more introverted tendencies all that time ago yeah I yeah we're, we're, we're looking at we're, we're going to take we, we're going to have an attempt at building our own house down here and like wow. one of the one of the important things is we we do need something in the garden, like where where you know it's not just me. I've got three kids, and and two of them are really clear that they love their just like love their own time, you know, and their own space. So they're saying, well, you know, we we need somewhere where we can go on our own and and be uh, away from the, everyone else in the family and stuff. And then two other family members are reasonably extrovert so they don't sometimes understand it it's really funny yeah. we did um yeah. we, we a few years ago we did a we did a bit of a, a train trip with the kids so all five of us went off and we went did you um oh, what's it called interrail because me yeah. and my wife had done it when we were younger and we thought oh we're going to go and take the kids so we went for a month and just traveled by train and i can remember talking about it around the dinner table about two months afterwards and my and 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 I, well, my son not saying much about how he felt about the trip, and he just said, "I know how I feel about it. Why do you need to know?" <laughs> and it was like he articulated that as well. Actually, you know, understood that he wasn't going to tell you, didn't need to tell you, and needed you to know that. Yeah, no, it was great. Oh, brilliant. You've been in business 
quite a long time. You've had a business partner um, and things have changed a bit recently. You're involved in other things other than your business as well. Tell us about why you do what you do. Oh. Okay, I'll tell you what. I went... I used to. I have, there was a. There's probably a pivotal moment that I think something clicked for me. I I was about 24, and uh, I was working. Uh, I was running a music shop in Bristol, so like a retail, selling guitars and all that sort of recording equipment and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I used to hitch quite a lot, and I used to love getting into a car with a complete stranger and just asking lots of questions and having a great conversation, and and finding out lots about each other. And you would never meet them again. It was, and I used to really love that. And I can remember standing at Gordano Services hitching, thinking, do you know what I'd really like to do with my life? I'd like to spend my life just traveling around the country, having conversations with people. And that's what I do, I think. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and I think, why do I do it? I, I don't think I can't not do it, I think. That's, the part, that's why I do it, because I can't not do it. If I if I'm in any situation I'm in, I'll, I'll just I will ask questions and I'll talk to people, and uh, it, it's who I am is the reason I do it. I think. Mm. So yes, yeah, so I've never had a career path or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? I just feel like that. Yeah. I enjoy and- listening and asking questions and whatever, and I'm just yeah. fortunate enough to be able to make a living doing what I do really. I love that you can sort of see that direct line between that moment and now. Um, mm. How did you get from there to here? Because, you know, you, as you say, you're doing what you wanted to do and you're lucky to yeah. do that. It's not just about luck, is it? It's about what you do on the way. So how yeah. have you how have you sort of crafted what you do to suit what you want to do? Okay, so let's have a look. Trying to think, I'm trying to think where to uh, where to start. Yeah. What, what, what. I so, big questions. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. So that's cool. So I um, long, long story, sort of uh, probably a bit of a, a, a I think I think yuppies were still the language that we used at that time. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I was fortunate to have a bit of money, you know, reasonably well paid job, and actually was really good at squandering it all, and uh, <laughs> suddenly realised. The, that's probably not what I've, I've got myself into a bit of a mess really in my own life and I think at that moment I started to notice other things around me other than me so I started to notice uh, primarily rough sleepers actually when we were in Bristol people sleeping rough and I just started to just have conversations with them and um, and then I'd moved I moved down to the southwest and I started going out uh, on my own in the evenings, just taking out food and cups of coffee, and got to know quite a lot of people who were living in squats or were sleeping rough, and just started out talking and having conversations, and and then I got asked, I did some voluntary work for an organisation and some paid work doing similar sort of work, and ju- doing that, I feel like I learned, I learned probably about well about listening properly and asking good questions. Because if you didn't, you got punched, and uh, so it's quite a steep learning curve. Mm. And then I, so so I, I, I it was employed then by an organisation to work with young homeless um, 
people, young people, and I, I suppose I've just developed, I developed just some listening skills and some participation skills about how do you get people involved, how do you help people grow, and I just experimented, and um, and then started to get asked to can you come and do some work with not just young people, can you come and do some work with our staff in our organisation who also work with young people to help them think about how they can develop young people. And so that, that just started to happen and set up some pro, pro, uh, projects in prisons and did some training with uh, prison officers who are working with young offenders. And it just, I don't know, it just grew. And then more and more got asked to do work with senior managers and leaders of these organizations. And, um, and then I'd always thought that I wanted to go and do something on my own. And I'd set up space to think, oh, probably, probably 20 years ago, just as a sole trader in the background, sometimes had part-time roles and I would do a bit of my own facilitation stuff. And then I got made redundant from a job and just knew at that instant, this is the time that I needed to go and just do my own thing. Uh, and so I just took a risk really and made that choice um, to go and do that. And initially on my own and then with a couple of other people. Yeah. So, so I think I've become unemployable because <laughs> part of, yeah, part of, I suppose, I've always been really interested in how do you live a life, not just how do you work, how do you live a life well. And so for me, I'm, I'm, I find it really difficult at times to put a boundary between what's work and what's not. Do you know what I mean? So mm. this, this is what I do in life, and some of it I'm paid for, and some I'm not, and that's mm. okay. But none of them are, are more important, and I'm just trying to keep getting that balance right. Um, so yeah, that's um, so, and I've forgotten the question. How do I get? Yeah, so that I suppose I, I at times have made deliberate choices that I am, and part bit about risk actually. The running your own thing is risky. You, you know, the, you're, not, you're never sure about the income and all that sort of stuff. And so yeah. I think I've made a choice um, that I'm going to do that and not and try and not worry too much about the what the outcome might be. We, you know, we've got away with it for however many years, and I don't anticipate <laughs> yeah. that to change really. Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's um sort of two camps if you like for, for people working for themselves there's the people who the work is everything and it's all consuming and yeah. and you know they're growing it and it's going to you know they're going to take over the world or or, or get employees in and build a business or whatever whatever um, and then what you've just described which is sort of where I am with it and you know people who who want that flexibility probably have made themselves unemployable, as you say. I think I would agree on <laughs> in the same boat. Um, yeah. You know, people who say yes to things, not really knowing where it's going to take them, but feeling that they want to do that, and somehow you sort of fit it all together and and make it work for you. And that's some of what my sort of power to live more ethos is is all about. So, mm. tell us a bit about how how your days run and the sorts of things that you're involved in. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so, I, so just so just yeah, I had a big change recently. So I just moved from Oxfordshire um, down to Devon, 
And at the moment, I'm uh, on a Sunday evening, I'm traveling back up to Oxfordshire and I do two quite intense days. So on a Monday, I run in the, in the morning, I'm doing like a, a, a blended learning, virtual learning um, coaching qualification for a couple of hours with a small group. And then I run two different counseling skills and counseling theory courses during the rest of Monday. So that's like quite an intense day. And then the next day, I'm usually in Oxford doing coaching of head teachers and senior uh, leaders in education. Mm -hmm. so, and then and then the aim is that I come back and I do some work on the train. I get back Tuesday night and then I cycle and I walk and I do some thinking and I'm trying to create more and more time to uh, made a decision a couple of years ago. I mean, you, you actually it's really interesting because you were asking earlier about the so it's almost like the or, or, I don't know if you asked the question, but there was something underneath the question about you know the deliberateness of choices or how did you what's the how did you get to where you are and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think I'm 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 really strong believer in the whole in, when we bring intention to something. So I. This time, last year, I made a decision that I wanted to deliberately get involved in some social activism. I think I've always been on the edges of it um, in terms of how I work, but I thought I wanted to do something really deliberate. So within about two weeks, I'd found a course that I was going to go on um, around social activism. I went to a conference around environmental stuff and then went to... Extinction Rebellion's first uh, declaration of the uh, climate emergency stuff last November in London. So that was that all that happened in about two weeks. It was just a really intense two weeks training course and this conference and then the Extinction Rebellion. And then so I felt like what I'd, I'd had some intention about I want to do this stuff. And then all of a sudden that probably took over my life for about nine months. And now I'm in the process of how can I make that sustainable for myself? Uh, you know, I need to I need to make a living. I'm fortunate enough to make a living doing what I enjoy. Um, but I also want to have enough energy to be able to do this social activism, make a difference to a bigger system approach in a way that is uh, probably thought through and is sustainable for me. Um, yeah. So I'm just trying, and I, and I think I'm still trying to work that out I mm. think I got close to knackering myself yes um, just emotionally and so you know so like one day I would be um, and this was you know some of the stuff I would be at the weekend I'd be in London I'd be sort of helping facilitate and plan you know uh, uh, social action event outside of the House of Parliament, you know, being filmed by the police, really intense stuff. And then the next day I'll be running a group of therapists, you know, for starting therapists. And if it, moving from one to the other is so hard work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and just really realizing that now after nine months of nearly burning myself out, I have to, I have to find a different way of doing that. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I think I'm still in the midst of trying to work that out because I want yes. to be able to do that stuff really well. 
Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I, two things. Sustaining stuff, I think, is a real. Yeah. It's one, of, in fact, one of my five fundamentals um, because it's really. It's not easy to do all this stuff intensely, but it it it, it just flows and it happens doesn't it it's as you say mm. how you can keep doing it whilst keeping that energy and whilst um you know not um losing everything i was, I was at a meeting yesterday uh, i volunteer with engage for success um all around employee engagement and because i do a lot of the website stuff and things behind the scenes i was sort of frustrated in and saying you know everything leads to me you know when we decide we're going to do something it normally creates some sort of content that's got to go on the website and then I have yeah. to do it and I've got a to-do list the length of my arm and it's, you know, and yeah. I, f I feel myself being overwhelmed thinking I need to rethink how this sort of works because that's not the right attitude to have, you know, that anything we do is going to create me more work. Um, so that's interesting. I think the second one, what you said, the bit about changing between the two, again, yeah. connected to I did a, a podcast interview on Monday with a, a an internal communicator um, and she was saying, that she likened that role to uh, a thing called, I think it's called chess boxing or boxing chess, chess boxing, I, I think like it's called, it. which I've never heard of. Have you heard of it? No, no. Apparently, sport, apparently, um, where no. they they box, they get in a ring and box, and then after however many minutes, they, the whistle goes and they have to play chess. And then they, <laughs> they the whistle goes and they have to go boxing again. And they keep doing that until basically one of them is left somehow. Um, but the reason she shared it was she was saying that her role was very much about the, the switching between the two from being really strategic to being really tactical. And that was the challenge. Yeah. And you've just yeah. said the same, but, it, you know, in a different um, scenario that the, the changes between your Extinction Rebellion type social work yeah. and your actual sort of earning work, it's changing yeah. that, that's energy depleting and and you know so there you go you've got a new um new way to describe yeah. it to people that it's like bo chess boxing i quite like i quite like that idea actually because <laughs> there is yeah, something it, about yeah yeah I, I mean i mean so how do you make the transition when you're when you're in sort of different roles how, how do you do that i think it's probably about a bit of down in the middle i have really random structures to my day i that i there's generally no structure um okay. and i suppose that is part of it it's that that um a bit like you were you were saying about you know being in the car and not speaking to anyone or you know, i don't know going out in the countryside or whatever it, it's it's just allowing those moments of transition rather than I think if I had, you know, if I did like the miracle morning and not, I don't really do mornings, which doesn't help, but you know, if I did something like that, it would almost be like, I'd, I'd, I'd throw off one sort of mantle or whatever the expression is, mm -hmm. you know, I'd, I'd get in from being the volunteer. Um, yeah. and then I'd, I'd have to go into this process, you know, this whole routine I'd set up for myself, which would be exhausting as well. And then move into whatever else I was going to do. And actually I don't do that. I, I pick and choose the things to do that then, feel right in the moment i suppose yeah that yeah that's uh, it's really i yeah it's interesting because i i find that part of me really enjoys the energy that is created by the sometimes the juxtaposition between different roles mm. and and then other times uh, no I, I think i do enjoy it but i am aware that it, it costs energy wise so for example, I do a little bit of work for um, a thing called OSS Retail, 
who have been running leadership programs for leaders in in retail for they've been doing them for about 80 years and they've got a new program that I write the program I designed the program for them and it's really weird because it's at the heart of retail so they'll have people from um, Harrods people from Holfords um, John Lewis and then loads of independents it's like a real eclectic mix and then so I will be having meetings with them about their program and, and I'm quite open about my who I am and what my beliefs are so I will you know I'm quite open about the fact that I don't fully um, agree or sit comfortably with our the model of capitalism that we work with and we live within and retail is part of that so I have some uncomfortableness about this and I'm really open about it so I will have a meeting with them and then I will end up talking about Extinction Rebellion and then I'll go off and I'll be in London on the streets the next day and and that feels really exciting because I'm able to have some influence there so I've said you know I'm gonna do this leadership program this this next year for them but I will only do it if you allow me to start bringing in stuff around climate emergency because we can't not talk about it we can't not mm. talk about it anymore and actually retail has to respond so it's like a really weird I enjoy the juxtaposition or the potential conflict of those two roles it brings some energy but it's also knackering yes yeah it's and just I, there's the, there's the, I enjoy it but it's tiring and you've also created now even more of a home environment where you've got that opportunity to you know get that energy back I guess you, you know you said before yeah. we started that you know you're you're going on a bike ride later you've talked about yeah. um, you know the countryside and all that sort of stuff it, yeah. it has, is that part of the reason for the move is that yeah no definitely number of reasons one is that one is that uh, we part of trying to create some more space to do things that are not paid means that we have to live differently. We have to live a yeah. bit simpler. And yeah. part of that means, uh, you know, we're going to attempt to build in a small, simple house. Do you know what I mean, we've got to, mm. we've got to move away from having a mortgage and, mm. and so that it frees it. And that's not about, so we've got more money. It's actually that we need less money. Therefore, we don't have to make choices based on, is that going to bring any money in? No, actually it doesn't yeah. matter the right thing to do. So we've had to, you know, and it's painful. We've got three kids, so we've, you know, they're coming on the journey with us, and they're, mm. that's all fun and games. They don't seem all up for it. Have you have you told them that's why you brought the tent down with you? Yeah, yeah, no. They, well, I think actually two of them probably would be quite happy to live in a live like that in any case. Yeah. So that's yeah. Uh, one of them. We said that we probably can't afford to build a big house, so you'll have a, you'll probably have a pod in the garden. That's moved now to actually, they're not interested in the house, they're interested in, I am going to have my pod in the garden, aren't I? So, just, just, just build four, five pods, it'll be fine. You can just all meet oh, yeah. in the middle. Yeah, we, we haven't, yeah, no, we've had, we've had lots of conversations that aren't far away from that. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, I look forward to hearing more as, as it progresses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so practical in terms of, of getting stuff done, bearing in mind, what a varied working week you have. How, how do you make sure you get done what you need to get done? Um, you know, what tools are you using? Are you into technology or not? <laughs> yeah, I, I, no, I am. I, I think I'm, I try, 
I'm aware that technology works well for me. I'm also aware that I, I fit, if I if I rely on it too much, uh, it doesn't work for me. So I, I think so. I, I I'm getting better. I'm getting much better at being able to um, allocate uh, my time. So I di The weird thing is, I have quite a, not chaotic, but I have quite a flexible changing life. Do you know what I mean? So, the, so yeah. most days are, are not are very different. And uh, but what I am really good is a taking opportunities to say actually here I need to plan to do this bit of work and this is when I'm going to do it. So for example, if I'm on a train, I will diarize my time when I'm on the train. Mm. You know that I am going to do these things. Um, I'm going to take opportunity to write that up through this, and and that, I think that's I think I've learned to do that better over the year. I'm by nature I'm a procrastinator. I'll leave things, and I've learnt that that actually doesn't always bring me the outcome that I want. Mm. So I, I have got much better at, at being quite strict with how I diarise my time. Um, mm. So that allows me to have other times I don't need to diarise at all. And I, I am, I'm a recently, I've learned to be a quick worker. I can just get on with things, you know, and I have to. Get, I, I do things like. Um, and I haven't quite worked this out yet in where we live, but when we used to live in Banbury, I would go into town for the day. But I used to have an office at home, so I said, right, I'm going to do this task, and I'm going to do it in the office for two hours. And then I'm going to walk to this cafe in town, and as I'm walking, I'm going to be thinking about this next bit of work that I've got to write about or do, and then I'll complete that when I get to that cafe, and then I'll move on to another cafe to do something else. So, mm -hmm. I, so there's something about... Set, sort of delineating space that works really well yes uh, yeah and, and i when when i had a code when me and andy worked as co-directors we would do that we would spend a day together and we would walk and talk and stop at various places and write stuff up uh, and then go and talk about something else as we were walking to another place so i for me there's something about being active mm. while i work is really important Mm. Um, yeah, so that yeah, that I think that's how I do it. Mm. So you mentioned yeah. that you're you're not working uh, with Andy now. How is yep. that changing how you work? Because mm. given you've got quite a, a a sort of varied working week, I can imagine it would have been quite hard to work with somebody. But then once you've worked with somebody yeah. for so long, it must yeah. be quite difficult to work on your own again. How, how does that oh. play out? I had a yeah. I sat down two, three days ago and wrote a letter to Andy, who he resigned as a director on the 31st of October. And I, and I wrote a letter to him about uh, how I felt about, you know, not working, not, 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 not necessarily just like not working together anymore, but about just how I, how I view our, you know, especially the last 10 years where he was a co-director of, of working together. And I sat there and I had tears running down my cheeks as I was writing the letter. Do you know what I mean? It's like a, mm. it's quite a, it, we have a really deep relationship and feel really privileged. I know lots of people who, who have, you know, had partnerships or run, gone into business with people and it, and, and it hasn't worked out the way they expected. And do you know what I mean? And it got a bit painful. It got difficult or, 
one of them left because it didn't work and all this sort of stuff. Me and Andy have just we we have a have had a really open, honest relationship where we even when it's tough and things aren't going are a bit difficult, we've always been really open and caring of each other. So that's yeah. what I that's what I will lose because I feel like uh, we were accountable to each other, not just about our work but how we lived. So we yeah. would have conversations about. I hear you saying you want more time with your family. How does that fit in with the fact that in your diary you're away for three nights next week? Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I think that's the bit. I, that's the bit. I'm probably. I hope that I'm able to to uh, keep somehow in, mm. within me from from working with someone for so long. Is is mm. that stuff that he brought? Um, you know, and his ability to slow down and look at quality and stuff, as opposed to my always wanting or oh, what's new do you know what I mean I, I hope that I can yeah. bring that stuff so it does it feel feels a bit better now about a couple of weeks ago it started to feel really isolating yeah you know, like, ooh, I, feel, I feel like I'm on my own now and uh, yeah so so we're doing some co-facilitation together so we will which will be good um, but it does it does feel different and I think we're still trying to work out um, mm. how, how that's gonna be Yes, yeah. It does feel weird. People, I can't remember who um, it's come from, but that that thing where you know what would so and so say? It's somehow yeah. been able to conjure that yeah. up so that you keep saying what would Andy yeah. say? Yeah, <laughs> sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, I quite yeah. I quite often hear him on my shoulder. <laughs> yes, yeah, and so lovely to hear that you've you know worked together for so long, and you know it's changing, but it's not changing in a you know a negative way it's just a change of growth and moving forward sort of thing yeah no i think i feel really uh i think i think there's something about especially when you do sort of facilitation stuff and coaching work and and, you know stuff around people for me it's always been really important to try and role model you know healthy relationships Mm -hmm where you can have challenge and conflict and but you can also have you know real affection and all those things and i i think if i look back i'm you know i'm really proud that i think that's what me and andy did mm. and we did it publicly because we worked together lots we co-facilitated loads so mm. i feel really proud about that more mm. more probably than the actual you know the work that we did i think i feel prouder about the way that we did it together yeah yeah. So yeah. yeah, it feels really, but it does feel weird. It does feel odd. Yes. Yeah. Oh. So just moving into the last couple of questions. Firstly, what about on those days where it all goes horribly wrong? When you have a, a seemingly bad day, what? How do you deal with that? Um. Yeah, I think I'm really cautious about this question because um, so I have a supervisor for my work, and a few weeks ago, probably about actually about two months ago, when loads of transition was going on, with our house fell through, house sale fell through three times, and all that sort of stuff, and it, it all got a bit tense, and wasn't sure what was happening with the company at that point. And I'd said, but fortunately, it hasn't started disturbing my sleep yet because I can tend to sleep whatever's going on. And then from about the next three months on, I don't think I had one good night's sleep. 
so I'm really cautious about the question about what do you do when you, know, you have a bad day because part of me wants to say I think I'm getting better at not labeling days as good or bad yeah um, but I'm really concerned by saying that I'm also going to have probably the most horrific days I've ever had over the next week or so so I'm a little bit cautious about um, naming that um, so what do I do I get out I walk I cycle talk yeah with, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, mm. I I've been sort of yeah I try and I'm, I'm not a great meditator but I have been involved in stuff around contemplative sort of traditions over the years so I try and build that in yeah so I yeah. go to the Quakers and I think I have a number of things that I if life is challenging or work is challenging um, and there is stuff that could create anxiety I think I have a number of things that I know I need to do to look after myself mm. you know that, that will be spending some time in silence it will be uh, you know spending time with some friends it will be going for a walk it will be going for a cycle and and the number of things that I know not to do as well at the same time mm. Mm. so I think that's the bit that I'm probably more interested in about is is in developing as opposed to what do I do when I have a good or you know a bad day yeah actually yeah, I how do I make sure that these things that are helpful uh, are always accessible to me? Happen more often. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I agree. Okay, and what about those days when um, you get to live more and that's where you get to do more of the things you want to do and less of the things that you feel you should do or you have to do? What do those days look like for you? Uh, they look – I think this is going to sound um, a bit glib. I, spend, I do spend a lot of my life – pinching myself thinking I am so fortunate and so grateful yeah the majority of days I can look at and think that was an okay day there was yeah. I was doing I was doing things that I wanted to do and I was with people I wanted to be with mm. and I'm really and I'm aware that that comes from a place of real you know, I have some some privilege around that, and there's some, um, and some of that is because that's what I've decided to do. What do you mean? There's a real mixture. Yeah. Absolutely. I was, I don't think it's glib, and I was fully intending, uh, not intending rather, I was fully expecting to hear you say what you said, and it is about what you've said already about intention. And it's interesting. Yeah. People who talk about intention will quite often give that sort of answer to that question because that's the point, isn't it? You know, you get clear about what you want and then somehow you make it happen, whatever that might look like. And, um, you know, that, I think yeah. that's that, you know. Yeah. And I think the making it happen is really strange. Because I, I don't probably sit down and, and plan things in a methodical way. But I, but I do tend to have a strong sense of direction sense mm. of where, where where are we headed towards mm. oh, you come across charles hand you know charles handy yes yeah yeah the, the i went to see a couple of seminars he did a couple of years ago and uh he was talking about the two-year the two-year curve you know like um so organizations tend to have a, a you know they have this curve of growth when they're really young and creative and then they get to this bit and then they probably start to stagnate a bit and then, you know, start to die a bit. And, and that, that's a, n a normal life of an organization. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. great. And, and then he was saying that the, 
the dilemma, so the, the, he says we're talking about the trick, that is actually to start to recognize when you are starting to reach that bit, the top bit at the top of the curve, before you get there. And start to decide what is it you want to be doing in two years' time, because it would probably take two years to bring some change. Mm. And uh, my wife went to one of his, to his seminars, and we were saying, we look back at our life and we realize that's what had happened. We would always, life would be good, nothing, no problems, you know, in terms of where we were living, what we were doing. But thinking, we know that we get a sense of changes coming and we think it's going to be about in two years' time. What does that start to look like and how do we get there? And, that, and we've just done that again. So it was two years ago we decided to move to Dartmoor. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and, and there's just something about that, in, yeah, that intention without getting into, well, we're going to do this on that date and that on that date. No, that's that's where we're moving towards, and yeah. and we're trusting that that will happen. Yeah, yeah. I was just talking the other day about um, goal setting and how everyone goes on about it all the time, and it's not something I do with great. Um, uh, well, I don't even do it really. I I, I think about where I want to go, you know, intention and direction, but I yeah. don't actually, you know, do the detail bit. And it was they were saying which I've. I've heard before that if you, um, you know, do the goal setting and, and especially if you tell people about it, that quite often you don't do whatever you say you're going to do because by saying it, you almost sort of tick it off in your head psychologically that yeah. you've done it. Yeah. And I think that's interesting that, you know, having that sort of general intention for something towards something is, yeah. is not done. It's just a direction, isn't it? Yeah. I, th I think so. That's really interesting. Listen to you talk about that whole that thing about the goal thing about when you you know when you, you 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 know you state that goal to other people mm. and something happens mm. yeah I, I think that's really interesting because I think sometimes I think I've experienced by by verbalizing something as a goal actually all of a sudden I then become accountable to those people I've said it to in some way mm -hmm. I don't know there's something in there that I'm sort of intrigued by yeah, and uh, you know that's that's sort of popular thinking is that that's what you should do. You should create that accountability by telling other people. Um, yeah. But what the thing I heard the other day, I'd heard before in that context, which is if you've told somebody, then you've sort of like you say, I'm going to run the marathon. You get so much kudos about the fact that you're going to run the marathon that actually you probably don't even yeah. need to run it because you know you've had yeah. all of that <laughs> beforehand. But as I say, that what I heard this week was not in terms yeah. of telling other people. It was even just telling yourself. Yeah. You again tick it off in your head that psychologically you you know you've you've achieved it sort of thing, which I thought was yeah. really interesting and something to ponder. But uh, there you go. Yeah, so um, yeah, it it's been it's been so interesting interviewing you today, Rob. I really appreciate the time that that you've taken. Tell people how can they can find out more about you and get in contact. Okay, so we've got a website so www.space2think to, space to that's a number two in the middle so spacetothink.org is probably the best place um, I do a little bit on Facebook not too much I'm probably best um, having conversations on the phone or Skype or something um, so am I okay to put out a phone number absolutely yeah so my mobile number is 075 46521 or an email would be rob.husband at Um and uh, that would be the easiest way to get a hold of me. Lovely. 
Thank you. Attention home-based coaches and consultants. Are you tired of feeling alone, isolated and frustrated with running your home-based coaching or consulting business? Are you sick of feeling like your life would be better and you'd be happier if you felt more organised and productive? Do you feel like there's simply not enough time in a day to get all the things done that you need to do to build a successful business while making time to live more? It's time to stop the isolation and start getting more organised, productive and focused on the skills that will move the needle forward. It's time to join the Power to Live More Calm membership. If you're ready to, stop creating the wheel and focus on the things that truly matter in your life and business. Learn what you need to know to be successful and live more. Get accountability help from a group of like-minded home-based business owners. To learn more about the Power to Live More Calm membership programme and apply, visit powertolivemore.com slash get calm. Use your power to live more.